Hi again, everyone. I'm Matt Lachlan. Along with me, Amanda C. Stein. Hello. Hello, world. How are you, Amanda? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? Excellent. I'm doing fine. Thank you. This is the official Devils podcast where we get to know a little bit more about the players than what we see on the ice. Uh, I think we found out some interesting <laughs> things along the way, haven't we? It's been fun. Like, it's been fun to sort of dig into the brains of these players and, you know, talk a lot less hockey and more about who they are as people. Um, and we got some goodies coming up. Yeah. In our recent <laughs> show, our most recent show, we had Nico Heischer. And the thing that stood out for me, and there were a lot of interesting aspects of the podcast and his responses, but his maturity at oh, such yeah. a, a young age, and he's still young. And the Devils have a lot of youngsters like that and it's fun to see as you look back at their development not only on the ice but off the ice as they become comfortable in this country as they become comfortable in this league as they become comfortable with themselves and that I think you hit the nail on the head there too because a lot of the young core of this team is not from North America a lot of them are from other countries and some of them have been you know came over here for the first time and then they're thrown into the throws of an NHL season so you're right they're they're growing up before our eyes Maddie. <laughs> they're growing up before our eyes well they are and slowly they are becoming leaders in the room yep. you know when you first come yep. into any locker room there it's all they're all alpha males but yeah. there are the dominant alpha males mm -hmm. who put their time in the league and they've got letters on their jerseys etc cetera, etc cetera. and again you're just trying to find your way through but as you start to learn the ropes as you start to show what you can do you start to blossom a little bit in that room and, and start to take a leadership role. Yeah, and you're seeing that just on, like, you, you think about, like, Nico, for example. I mean, Nico is just starting his third year, but he's taking on a very important leadership when it comes to Jack Hughes, right? And, like, having that similar connection of the first overall pick and the things that you go through, it's remarkable to see that as the years go on, even though you're not that far into someone's career, there's still so much that you can learn from one or two years in this league that allows you to mature in a level that you can already pass on some sort of wisdom. Well, also in his third year in the National Hockey League is Jesper Bratt. Although he came in not quite as acclaimed as Nico Heischer, not the number one overall pick, came in as a bit of an under the radar pick, a sixth-round pick of the New Jersey Devils. But once he got here, he <laughs> laid claim to a spot, and he's our guest this week on the podcast. Jesper, thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time. You're in your third year in the National Hockey League. Take us back to growing up in Stockholm when the seeds of an NHL story were planted. Uh, I think it started, yeah, at a really young age. Um, started play because of my dad. Uh, used to play when he was growing up. So uh, I feel like that's kind of how it started. And uh, he used to uh, bring me to the outdoor rink pretty close to my house. So. Uh, I feel like that's where we used to used to skate uh, before I turned into one of the teams when I was uh, probably like five, six years old. It was the, a little hockey school there and uh, got around with some kids. And I had uh, a very good friend of mine still uh, plays in the Swedish Elite League. Uh, we went through the same class growing up and uh, his dad and my dad turned into the coach for that team. So uh, I feel like that's where it started. And uh, we both had a lot of fun playing with each other. We used to always watch um, the AAK team uh, uh, in the Swedish Elite League growing up together. That we both ended up playing it too with our with our last year there. And I feel like all all the time, like we're always watching NHL together. Uh, we're 
sometimes if uh, if we didn't have a practice or something on a Saturday or something, we stayed up on Friday nights to watch NHL because they were the later later at night. So uh, I feel I feel like the NHL dream has always been there, and uh, it's uh, it's fun to enjoy it now. Who is that player? Who is your friend? And does he have the NHL on his radar? Radar? Will he be uh, able to come over? Do you think at some point? Oh, uh, maybe he's a uh, he's a third round pick for Dallas Stars. Nice. Uh, Frederick Karlstrom. Uh, plays for uh, Vecra, which is a um, really successful organization back home. So uh, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, following him too. When you were watching the NHL when you were younger, was there a particular team that you were drawn to just because of maybe a Swedish player? Or what did you sort of have in that respect? Yeah, I feel like a team that I used to watch a lot was Detroit because they had so many Swedes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a pretty common answer. But uh, and especially in that. That kind of uh, the years too, there, uh, 2007, mm-hmm. 8, 9, when they were a really successful team with the, yeah, Henrik Sederberg and Johan Franson and Holmstrom and Ledstrom and, and all these guys. And I feel like Henrik Sederberg was one of my biggest role models growing up too. I used to watch him a lot. So uh, it was a lot of fun. And I uh, think I had some, uh, some Sederberg jerseys at home too. Have you ever met him? Uh, um, I uh, actually haven't. I actually got his stick my first time I played against Detroit. Uh, Frosty helped me to to get one of his sticks signed and stuff that I still have in my place, which was uh, pretty cool to to play against him too one day. What was that moment like? As you know, you said you grew up a fan of the Red Wings or being drawn to it, anyways. When you got to play your first game in Detroit? Oh, that was cool. I mean. Uh, Obviously, the different building, ma- different <laughs> building, and there maybe wasn't the players that I was growing up watching, but uh, for sure, Sederberg was still there. That was his last year too before he, before he retired. So uh, it was a cool. It was cool. I mean, you spend so much time growing up, uh, running around. Imagine that you're them, and you're uh, like, imagine that you're playing in the playoff, and you score the goals, and you're Henrik Sederberg, and all these good things. So uh, one day, stepping out there on the ice and. Uh, you see him on the other side of the the red line. It's pretty cool. When did you first come to America? Uh, I feel like I I was in Canada a couple of times, but first time in America I was in uh, that was actually at the draft in Buffalo. Really? Yeah. So that was my first time in America. I was in Canada twice before that. Uh, twice in Toronto. Um, so first time in Canada was at the under seventeen World Challenge. It was pretty. It was pretty late, actually. So, but I, I like right away when I got here. I loved it here and um, how how everyone is so involved in hockey and how big it is here. So, uh, I really enjoyed my time so far. So there really wasn't any kind of a transition so much for you. You would say. Yeah, not really. So, uh, so I was yeah I was here a couple of times, especially especially that summer we had the. Um, we had uh, kind of a training camp in, in uh, Canada with the Swedish team, and then we went to the under-18 World Championship that was in North Dakota. Uh, and then I went to the Combine and the draft. So that summer I spent a lot of time here too and uh, stayed over here. My little brother played a tournament in, in Toronto, so we traveled with my family there too and stuff. So the, especially that summer, uh, the year before I came here, so my draft year, we spent a lot of time here in the summer. So you were there as names are called and – <laughs> rounds go by before you are called and I have to think being selected is an honor but at the same point were you disappointed that it was the sixth round when your name was finally announced um, what was the what we what was going through your mind yeah it was um 
it was a little stressful, I would say, like, honestly, like, uh, it's a pretty uh, stressful time. You you don't really know where you're going to end up, and uh, there's a lot of speculations, and especially uh, when I was invited to the to the combine for the top 100, and, uh, and the picks started to go, and the rounds and everything, and I, I was kind of sitting there a little stressful. I had no clue what was going to happen either, so... Um, but then uh, finally I uh, got picked in the sixth round there, but it also it was cool and uh, I felt right away after my like meetings and I met the staff and everything I felt like for for right now like the number had like it didn't matter at mm-hmm. all what number it was I felt like I came to a great organization that liked my game and and um, where I could go in the future and stuff so uh, for me if I was a second round pick or sixth or seven it didn't really matter to me I felt like I came to the right spot for for the right fit what to you makes you feel like it was the right fit right from the beginning I feel like they those are probably like right in the start with the big rebuild they did they wanted to uh, remake a little bit of their game into more speed more of a uh, speedy team uh, felt like maybe size didn't matter as much. We wanted to fast players that could move the puck well, that could create offense and uh, hard players to play against. And I felt like I, I kind of fitted into that role. And um, that was kind of a, a type of game that I was trusting. So uh, I felt right away that I was going to fit in. Three years ago when you made your NHL debut, I remember at, I guess, the rookie tournament before regular training camp, I sat down with Tom Fitzgerald, assistant general manager of the Devils, and I asked him, who should we keep our eye on who's flying under the radar that maybe is not a bigger name that we know about? And he said, keep your eye on Jesper Bratt. And so we did, and you made the team out of training camp. What did that mean to you to you know be such a young guy and, and make that jump oh it was huge I mean I, I feel like from from other people I didn't really have any expe- expectations on myself when I came into to rookie tournament and camp and everything but um, I always believe that my my type of game could take me pretty far if I was just like dialed in and I worked hard and I I played my be- on my highest level every day in in camp and stuff and uh, I really always had the mindset when I came in here that I wanted to take I wanted to take someone's job like I came here to camp and <clears throat> I wanted to stay here and uh, and do everything I could to to make the team, and I feel like right away I got a pretty good start at the <clears throat> sorry at the at the rookie tournament, and uh, I feel like the coaches liked my game with my speed and um, and everything, so it just uh, went on pretty well from that. Who'd you tell first that you made the team? Who was your first call? Who'd you? <laughs> Uh, I remember I walked out from from Heinze's, uh office after the West Point trip and. Mm-hmm. Uh, right away, I, I called home to uh, to my mom and dad because I know they were both at home. So I just uh, called them right away, said what was going on, and uh, they were all really happy for me. And luckily, we we got our hands on uh, on two tickets for them to fly over to watch the game too. It was just uh, uh, one or two days before the game too, so it was uh, it was fun. And that, of course, was against Colorado, and you started out of the gate brilliantly with a, a goal and an assist. With them watching, where's that puck? Uh, it's home. Uh, at my place. They, uh, they, uh, they made a beautiful picture and uh, put in the puck and a little, uh, a little note there that says goal and uh, the assist and the times and uh, against uh, Colorado and stuff. So it's a, it's a really nice gift and 
Uh, it's home at uh, my parents' house in Stockholm. Is there like a spotlight on it? Like you, you open the door and come <laughs> uh, in the house and there it is. Your poor brother. No. <laughs> no, really. I might have to to ask my mom to set something cool up. <laughs> Who, who's the favorite brother? Uh, I don't know. I feel like the younger brother always gets away with everything. So maybe maybe brought my little brother. And he might say that it's the opposite, but yeah, that's what families sure. do. What's, sure your, what's your brother doing? He plays hockey too, mm-hmm. so he plays in the same organization that I used to play in AIK. So uh, he's 17 now. He um, he um, goes to kind of like college that we call it. So he's 17, plays for the under 20 team there, and um, does really well so far. Uh, he's a defenseman and uh, really skilled guy with good skating and stuff. So uh, hopefully he. Um, he gets to gets a little break so he can come over for Christmas too. That would be nice little family time uh, yep. around the holidays. I, I want to go back to after you were drafted because I, I remember reading a report. So you're drafted in 16 and you go back and play in the second division. How is it pronounced, Alex? Altsvenskan. Yes. So yeah, exactly. And you didn't have <laughs> as good a year as you would have liked. Yep. What happened? No, I felt like I felt like I improved my game a lot during that year, but I feel like always during games I didn't really get to use my my edges and stuff I didn't really get to use my speed as I wanted to I didn't really got into the areas close to the net that I wanted and there was a like I always felt really good in practice and that um, I could use my skating my speed my skills and everything but when it comes to game the game was I, I was kind of thinking the game a little different it felt like I was already like on my on my mindset coming into the small rink and stuff. So I kind of felt like I played a little different uh, that year. So I didn't have the year that I wanted. and uh, But somehow uh, Devils still liked uh, the game that I played and uh, they felt like that could be a good thing to, to have in the organization. So that uh, how luckily the contract ended up. Is, is that when you made the decision to... Uh develop a relationship with Andy Sword? Yeah, that was after that mm-hmm. season. So that's what I felt. Uh, after that season, I wanted to uh, um, yeah, get to know myself a little better, get to get to know how to prepare myself a little better for games and, uh, and all that. And I, I felt like I had a big year coming up there with uh, yeah, moving to another country and um, signing my contract, going into a, uh, a big big camp and hopefully making making the team or otherwise I had my uh, London Knights contract and mm-hmm. I had I had a lot of things going on so uh, I wanted to make sure that I had the the best possible preparation both mentally and then uh, I started my uh, that summer with my workout coach that I still work with now to just to to make sure that I was prepared the best way. What was the best piece of advice that Andy gave you? <laughs> Oh, this, it's a lot of things. Um, um, I can't really come up with like one specific okay. advice or something because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a process. There's a lot of things. It takes time. And, um, but he said that after one day spending with him that summer, he, he told me that if you really get dialed into this, what we work with and stuff, and you really, want to be really good at this i promise you you play in nhl this year hmm. so that was something when I've, i nhl for me felt pretty far at that point because i didn't have a, a great mm-hmm. year and 
uh, I got cut from the World Championship team, uh, World Juniors. So that felt pretty far away for me. So I was kind of like, oh, no, this guy is like, <laughs> I'm not, I, I don't believe in this. Like <laughs> this mental thing, I don't know if it actually is going to help me and stuff. But then then I, I, I really wanted to give it a chance because I seen it worked on a lot of play, players. He's got a lot of good goalies and stuff that it, it actually helped a lot. Uh, so I really got invest, invested in that, and um, I felt right away that it started to make a difference. I felt more comfortable on the ice. I did. Uh, I felt more fresh when I saw that a lot of other people started to get tired. I still felt fresh and all that. So uh, I felt right away that it was working for me, and uh, that's how I was uh, kept building on that. And you still work with him to this day, correct? Yep. Yep. We still work. We still have uh, contact. Uh, um, couple times a month we we just have a little shit chat making sure that everything is good he's watching my games and uh sends me texts and stuff uh after games and uh it's a really good relationship we have there recently excuse me in the last or the game before last obviously you didn't play you were a scratch did he say anything to you after that on how to deal with that type of of moment in your career yeah so that's that's something that we worked uh worked on earlier so i kind of know uh what to do with uh how to prepare myself for everything that's something that we worked on for for three years now and uh that was something too that i get to get to do a lot my my first year i got here uh, when we were in the playoff run and i had a little tough stretch and mm-hmm. i wasn't really playing that much and i was uh scratched for a couple of games that was something too where we when we worked a lot we talked a lot we make sure that i that I was coming into practice every day, doing my best practice I could. I was like eating good, sleeping good, and everything, making sure that if I get the chance to play, I'm gonna be 100% ready to play. So that's something that I always get get in mind. If something, um, something, if I don't have my best game, or if I, yeah, maybe get scratched or something, I'm gonna make sure that I come back to practice the next day, uh, as focused as I can, and uh, hopefully be back in the lineup. You did okay when you came back. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> it worked out. You were dynamic, no question. Which leads me to this question, and and I, I really wanted to ask it of all players who get scratched because no one's happy, right? Everyone wants to play. Um, on a given night, somebody's going to sit, but you know you maybe didn't expect it, although the numbers weren't perhaps where you wanted. Anyway, why does a player allow his game to get to a point? where the coach has to send that wake-up call. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, it's just sometimes you uh, – you it might maybe not be the situation that you have played, like, really bad for, like, four games in a row. Sometimes it can just be that there's one specific thing that they want you to improve that you can sometimes learn from maybe watching from upstairs. And especially me, I get to sit and watch the game with Patty, and I – I get to see the game from a little different perspective, and uh, yeah, I got a little little kick for that too. I wanted to come back even more more energized. I wanted to prove them something, and and that's something that can help too. If you if you take the the scratched uh, the healthy scratch the right way, it can help you a lot. What was that process like sitting with Patty Patrick Eliash? in the game while you're watching the game what types of conversations are you having or what types of things are is he pointing out to you yeah he, he just tried to talk to me and and see what I felt that my game was going at that point and 
Uh, he gave uh, his opinions and I had my opinions. So we're just c trying to discuss that and, uh, and different uh, situation that happens on the ice. Um, so he's a, he's a guy that you can learn a lot from. I mean, he's, uh, his jersey is retired and uh, he knows the game really well. So especially for me as a young kid, uh, it's awesome to have that kind of a guy in the, around you. What was the area that they wanted you to work on? Uh, it was a lot about my offensive game. We we wanted me to uh, to take some more pucks to the net, be a little harder in ozone, and and uh, hang on to pucks down there and stuff. That I felt like I did uh, really good for certain times, especially last year. And um, so I had a, some uh, some meetings with the coaches. They showed me some video clips from last year, and I got a little a little throwback to how it actually looked and um, felt uh, felt way better yesterday. Well, no doubt the, the the effort and the results were obvious. So how different are you in your third year? Comfortable, clearly, with the language, not that it was a real problem. You're now fully North Americanized, Jerseyized, <laughs> right? Uh, how different are you as a person? What's different about you now than when you first came here? Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm uh, <laughs> kind, of, uh, kind of a similar guy. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe hopefully uh, got a little older when it comes to uh, uh, the social wise. Maybe uh, taking care of myself even better than I did before. Uh, um, I, like at this point too, I know how the league works. I know what I have to do to my body to to play the best hockey I can. And, uh, I know I can't. Uh, I know I need to take my naps during the day. I know <laughs> I need to to do my stretches. I need to do like eat the right food. I need like I know I need to do all of these things now. And my first year was a lot of it was a lot of new things. Like yeah, I was living in a yeah beautiful city and it was the fun games. And when we got to Washington, for example, I wanted to see a little bit of Washington. Yeah. And then instead of maybe coming back to the hotel and have a nap and stuff. I kind of wanted to at least go out for a walk and see how it looks and like I maybe didn't got that rest that I should have had that was could probably help me in game 70. So that that's kind of a thing that changed a little now too. I I know how the league works and I know what what my body needs. So no sightseeing now? That's done? <laughs> it happens. It happens too. <laughs> what interests you when you go around to an, uh, another city? I mean, you've been through the the league now. This is your third year, so some of them are return engagements of course, but what are your favorite cities and what do you like to see when you do get that chance to get out? There's a lot of really nice cities and mostly it's just nice to nice to walk around and see see some different some new places, see some uh, see some new um buildings or whatever if you're downtown and see some see if there's any any culture changes in in cities. So um but for sure I love the the California trip. I think California is beautiful and uh, you get there and you get some nice, uh, nice weather and you play a lot of fun games. So, uh, there's there's a lot of good places. Other than the sightseeing, what do you like to do to disconnect yourself from the game? Because I would imagine, you know, an, a part of being successful in the league is allowing yourself to step away from the game at times too. So, what what do you like to do? Uh, right now, it's so easy because me, uh, yeah, Jesper is living yeah. with me now, but me and Pav and and Nika are spending so much time together. So we're watching, we're watching movies. We're closely going out for dinner every night and uh, spending a lot of time with each other. And uh, we have a lot of fun. Like we can talk about 
anything. We just like, it's just really nice to have that kind of a friendship where you can go out, have dinner, and you can just not talk about hockey and all and just watch movies and, uh, and stuff like that. But uh, like uh, interests and stuff, me and Pav are huge car guys. So oh, that's really? Say, yeah. We're sitting and watching car videos all day. So. <laughs> watching car videos? Boys, boys in the locker room get mad when we're just talking cars all the time in so is that like <laughs> f1 cars or just oh, it's like a little, it's a lot of f1 cars too but it's mostly just like uh normal sports cars supercars do you drive stuff. a sports car uh, i don't know i don't know if i would say that <laughs> what's your dream car yeah when you get that big contract when you get that first <laughs> yeah. big one what are you gonna do i don't know i'm a when it comes to car brands i'm a huge porsche guy so that's a brand that i think it's they make really good cars, and they've done for a lot of lo- a long time. So we'll see. Yeah, well, I think there's one in your future. Hey, tell us a little bit about being the mentor to Jesper Boquist, as you as you know, you guys are living together. Yeah, it feels a uh, feels a little weird when because you're just when, barely so, when, yeah, exactly. Yeah, when yeah. when someone comes in and asks you about uh, how road trip and stuff works, and you're you're still feeling a little young and stuff, so. No, it's a lot of fun. Me and just I mean, it's not like Jack Hughes and no, Corey I, Schneider, yeah. right? That's a no, little different, yeah, right? You're, you're basically the same age. <laughs> yeah, no, we, uh, me and Jesper has a lot of fun. It's been super easy to have him uh, at my place. He's a he's a great kid. and um, Yeah, we have a lot of fun. We go out for, for dinners, and uh, I try to be there for him if he needs any help, or uh, especially now we're – uh, sharing rooms on on the road to me and Jesper and uh, Nico is sharing with Hughes too. So uh, I think it's really good for for young guys to have someone that you can have there as a little help and make sure that he gets to that he gets to have dinner with people and that he he knows what time he has to be for breakfast and and uh, what time the bus leaves and everything. It's just kind of a little support there that is really nice to have. Obviously, he hasn't played as much as I'm sure he would want to um, for this beginning of the season. How have you kind of helped guide him through that? Or how is, do you feel he's responded to that? Because a lot of fans keep asking, you know, when is he going to get in lineup? Is he happy here? That kind of stuff. You're, you're there with him every day. How has he responded to that? No, I think he's, uh, for sure, you want to be in the lineup. Everyone, yeah. everyone wants to be in the lineup all the time, and no one wants to be uh, a healthy scratch and everything, and I, I I just try to be there for him to to help him. That um, both me and Pav have talked a lot to him and try to try to tell him that we we all have been there, and that mm-hmm. it's something that you just have to you just have to come into work every day and just work and just do everything you can to just be better every day. Skate like skate as hard as you can, forecheck as hard as you can, and. And just do all of these little small details in practice, especially because that's when you usually have the time to show anything. Yeah. So I just told him that uh, try to keep the mindset of being your best player every practice because if you're that good in practice, sometime you're gonna get the chance, and and that's when you're just gonna you're gonna embrace it. You're gonna uh, go out there and do your things. And uh, I know he's taking it pretty well too. He's uh, he's a good kid and. Uh, he he's works he works really hard. Who controls the clicker? <laughs> the remote the on remote. the TV. Oh, the that's TV. that's usually me. Yeah. So yeah. It's his 
house. Well, yeah, I'm saying maybe even on the road. Oh yeah, now, that's true. Now you're you share. Yeah. It's still you. No, it's it's usually me. It's yeah. been me so far. He's he's pretty humble with that. So, letting so me what, letting me. What take do you control. what do you click to? Like what would you? Car vision, car vision, yes. car vision. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> no. Right now we have some. Uh, we we're watching some uh, shows together that we really really enjoy watching together. So. Uh, are they Swedish or are they? Uh, we have uh, actually two Swedish shows right now that okay. we're watching. We're also watching The Money Heist, which is oh. a really good show. Um, can Netflix. I ask what you guys were for Halloween? I mean, uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Sorry, I, I just reminded me of that. I saw the picture. I was like, who are these guys? And then I went around the locker room and I was like, we don't know. Like, maybe they're like Swedish guys from the 70s. Or we, we weren't really any like characters. <laughs> we just... I just found this really funny. It was like a 80s workout yeah. outfit or something that I th- thought was pretty cool. And then uh, we tried it on and stuff. And I was like, well, it's not funny enough. <laughs> like, we have to figure something out. So we, we went to one of the stores and I got the big afro and yeah. some sunglasses and the mustache and stuff to spice it up a little. So. It okay, was, I need to settle that. Were, we, yeah. we still don't know what you were, yeah. but it, we, we understand we understand we, the background we just thought now. thought it was funny when it, with yeah. the two Jespers walking with the same outfits and yeah. stuff. Now, oh. one, th- sorry, no, buddy, one thing we do know, like you spend a lot of time with Jesper, of course, but on the plane you don't. On the plane you sit next to Nico, who we had on the show or on the podcast, uh, what was it, last week? Just last week, Just yeah. last week. And... What I always ask players when they come in to do the podcast is, what do you do on the plane? Because Maddie and I sit in front of the players, and we, we can't see what's going on back there. And then Nico said, what do you say? He said, oh, well, Jesper will tell you that I fall asleep right before we take off. Oh. So, so <laughs> tell me, how bored can you get on the plane? <laughs> well, I, I kind of know that he's going to sleep 99% of the flight. So <laughs> I'm always prepared with movies and everything, so... Uh, I make sure that he uh, he gets on the plane before me, so he can bring his pillow and just crash right away. He usually he usually sleeps even like right before the plane has even started moving. Really? Yeah, and then he usually wakes up when we land. So we uh, we don't get My a lot. Man, of, we I don't love that idea. We don't uh, we don't get a lot of chit chat with each other, but uh, it's good that we're spending some some time with each other. Quality off time. The, yeah. off, Quality off time. Off the plane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So were you? Did you always sit next to him? Like, has that been since you were? Yeah, since our first road game. And has he been like that from the beginning? Yeah, since first road game. Uh, <laughs> You're like, oh boy. So yeah, no. It's <laughs> lucky, lucky me. Yeah. In the in the beginning, I thought it was pretty funny, but right now, I'm like, sometimes we can actually talk with each other. Yeah, like, like, you can hello. talk to me sometimes. Yeah, I'm here. usually usually he's pretty good when we're going home after games. He usually stays awake a little bit, but when uh, when we're having the practice here and then we have the travel day, he usually sleeps more ninety nine percent of the yeah. flight. Well, you know, it could be worse, I guess. He could be a chatterbox guy. Yep, 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 yep. He, and sits, then... he sits next to Chico, and I sit behind them. Oh. <laughs> I didn't even need to finish my sentence. Love and... the man, but he does like to, <laughs> lo- like to talk, does. so yeah, there's, there's, there's no quality downtime there. Hey, um, I wanted to – oh, is he a, is he a snorer? Come on, oh, yeah, come on. No. He, no, 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 quiet. She's okay. a yep. quiet sleeper? Quiet sleeper. Uh, doesn't, uh, doesn't move at all either. Oh, it's creepy. Pretty, pretty still, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. 
And so he uh, he's on the window. Does he like lean yeah, against the, the window? window? Yeah. So I got a I got a lot of space there. I'm not. <laughs> no I'm complaints. Not, I'm not gonna him. complain. Not I have my bit. I have my movies and everything, so I'm usually fine. Yeah. Well, uh, usually fine on the ice as well. Uh, we appreciate your time. Jesper, thanks for joining us. A continued success with the Devils. We know that this has been a rough patch. I think anyone listening to the show uh, is disappointed, no more so than a player. But we hope that it starts to turn around really quick and uh, onward and upward. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jesper. Love the playing questions. I really do. I have have to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why they like, just like I guess who was our first but was it Wayne Simmons that we had on or maybe before anyways whoever it was it just sort of opened up this world because we're in the room talking to these guys face and you see their faces light up when they get to like yeah not trash their fellow teammates but like you know be like oh yeah Nico you know he he falls asleep right away and I'm all alone and I don't you know like they enjoy poking fun at their fellow uh, teammates so it's a good one. You get a little insight into who these people are. Yeah, absolutely. And you get an insight and got an insight into Jesper Bratt's personality. You know, kind of subdued throughout most, but he's got he's got a funny side and he's, oh, yeah. he's outgoing. He's actually one of the guys that when you're in the locker room and talking to other guys, like he comes up as one of the funnier guys that you're right, that kind of flies under the radar. He's got a great personality. But what I really appreciated from our discussion was how insightful he was in talking about working with Andy Sword and how that really transformed who he was as a player and his ability to play in this league. It, it, uh, just the insight that he has into himself as a human being, that goes a long way, not only as a, a professional hockey player, but just in life. Yeah, without question. And it was a, a very interesting converse, part of the conversation with Jesper. And also the fact that, you know, he wanted to get around and see some of the cities. <laughs> yeah, that you, you know, now he learned that he's he's got to be able to yeah. get his proper rest, et cetera. But I'm not sure that if we took a poll of his teammates, a lot of of his teammates would say, oh, yeah, I wanted to walk around Boston or walk around Montreal, yeah. except to find a steakhouse, which, <laughs> yeah, which, which happens is a, very, a lot, which is a very important <laughs> thing. But, you know, I, I found that very interesting that obviously he's got a, a wider scope in life. Yeah. And just him talking about like uh, wanting to see how cultures change from city to city. That was like he really opened up. How there. old is he again? Well, yeah, like, you sure? or, yeah, yeah. Who are you? Should we check that birth yeah. certificate? In Great the threes? kid. Yeah. He's super. He's just really fun to work with. Like from the perspective that I have to work with him, he's just a joyful kind of guy, loving life, and you can see that. And I think what also really helps, and you could really see that from our discussion, was he's got Nico here and he's got Pav here, two guys that he didn't know before he came here that I'm aware of, and has really built this strong friendship and that that's fundamental to success in this league as well absolutely well it was a delightful time spent with jesper bratt we will have more podcasts coming your way more plain stories and more fun (laughs) amanda thanks very much thanks maddie and thank you everyone for listening we'll see you next time bye-bye